Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we explore the 2016 film adaptation of Warcraft. Sebastian and I'm here with Rodney. Hello, good to be back. And with Steve Say. Hey, pleasure as always. Before we get started, Rodney is the co-host of a really great horror podcast called Pod Forsaken, and I like to have him recommend a horror film before we go on to our main discussion. What is it this week, Rodney? I don't think I've recommended this one before. Have I recommended the movie Triangle? You have not, and I have seen that, and that is a cool movie. It's really hard to talk about Triangle without ruining what makes it awesome. But it's yeah. if you're into like trippy mind bending kind of shit, it stars like a very young. Is it Liam Hemsworth? One of the younger Hemsworth brothers. Yeah, I think it's Liam. Isn't Melissa George in it, too? Yeah, but I, I don't know who she like. Everyone says that like they, like they know who she is, but I never know who she's she is. in a ton of horror movies. Do you not watch horror movies? No, I've only seen three of them. We have a very short <laughs> podcast. <laughs> In the 2000s, she was in, like, 10 horror movies. Fair enough. I mean, she's one of those people, like, when she showed up in Triangle, it was like, her face looks familiar. I just couldn't place her. But I'm glad that you've seen it, Sebastian, so you agree with me. This is kind of a cool movie. I can stand by this recommendation, totally. Um, so I, I genuinely think if you like that kind of trippy shit, just, just go find Triangle. Don't even watch the trailer. It will ruin a lot. Okay, but uh, we're not here to talk about Triangle tonight. We're here to talk about Warcraft, the Duncan Jones film based on the video game series uh, World of Warcraft or Warcraft. I'm sure there's different versions with different names. It is made by Blizzard uh, Entertainment. Now, I am not really a gamer, so I'm coming into <laughs> this from a point of view of somebody who just really likes movies. I mean, I play video games. There's been video games that I've been into throughout history, but I'm not an avid gamer. I don't play all the new hot games. So, and I've never played a game of Warcraft in my life. So, all of the mythology in here is all new to me. Rodney, you are a video gamer and you work in the video game industry, correct? That's correct. Let me, I'm going to push up my nerd glasses briefly, right? So, it started with the game Warcraft which this is an adaptation of. And Warcraft is basically orcs versus humans, right? There are, there are three Warcraft games. Yeah. But those got spun off into the game World of Warcraft, right? Which is like a bigger version of that where, yeah, there's orcs and there's humans, but there's also all kinds of other races, right? But I do think that most people think this movie is trying to be an adaptation of World of Warcraft. 
when it's really just an adaptation of the first game, Warcraft. Steve, you have uh, any history with the World of Warcraft or Warcraft games? I played um, a lot of Warcraft 2, but then when it came to Warcraft 3, I did not play. And that Warcraft 3 is like the League of Legends and uh, Defense of the Ancients, like hero-based games. I never got into WoW, but uh, I have uh, two friends, a married couple, that they were in their old guild, their own guild, and they would play together all the time. So I, I got to watch some of that. I am aware of the games, and I just did a, I think yesterday watched like sixty minutes of YouTube people talking about the lore of Warcraft. So nice. I'm pretty <laughs> brainwashed right now, but um, I'm ready to <laughs> spill it all. I'm ready to spill it all. To add on to that, I, while I used to play a lot of World of Warcraft. I've never played any of the Warcraft games. Interesting. Okay, so we'll have the two different takes. This is good. Right. But I also, I currently play a lot of Hearthstone, which is set in the world, in the in the universe of Warcraft. So I did recognize a lot of these characters and places. Oh, cool. Gotcha. Yeah, there must be cards so in the game. between the two of us, we know everything about this franchise. That's good, because I'm going to need that information. <laughs> I, I don't want, like, a, like, an actual WoW fan to listen to this. And be like, yeah, me neither. I, I don't know that much. What you know, like coming in and then like you know, I push on my glasses and then they push their glasses off straight into their brain. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this movie was in development for years and years. At one point, interestingly, I remember Sam Raimi was attached as a director or producer or something for a long time. It was going to be his project. But that didn't end up happening. It ended up to going to Duncan Jones, who is the son of David Bowie, but a director in his own right. And he has made two movies that I really enjoy. Moon, his debut feature, which is great, and Source Code, a sort of time travel, almost Groundhog Day type of premise thriller with um, Jake Gyllenhaal that I really enjoy too. Not huge movies, but I think both effective movies that do what they set out to do pretty well. So the idea of him directing this film, I thought, oh, cool. He'll probably do a pretty good job. I like both those movies. Like, I do not love Moon or Source Code, but I enjoyed them the one time that I saw them. And up until I watched Warcraft, I would have told you he's a good director, right? Uh, (laughs) But he clearly has, like, a good sense of style, right? And was he the right choice for this? I mean, clearly not. I know that now, right? But... I could see how at the time you might have thought based on source code, he could do a good job with this. I love um, source code. It's one of my favorite movies. I did like moon a lot. I just recently saw mute, which came after this, the Netflix um, movie. Yeah, that's right. Um, He has a really interesting voice as a filmmaker. I have no idea why he was chosen for Warcraft. Um, I think it kind of hurt his career. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to, what he does next, even still. I didn't hear good things about Mute, but I and I haven't watched it yet, but I would still be excited to watch whatever he did next. He, he hasn't completely ruined his credibility with me. All directors deserve a couple of shitty movies. But you say but, that, but you didn't watch Mute. Yeah, I heard bad things about it. <laughs> I, I did too. That's 2-2. Two, two. That's not a great record. No, I, I heard bad things about Mute as well. But um, I finally made myself watch it because we were doing this. And um, if you liked Moon, there are some fun Easter eggs in that this movie. But yeah, it's uh, well, it's something to talk about later. It's its own thing. It's its own okay. thing. 
So we get the movie adaptation of the first Warcraft game in 2016. And I remember at the time hearing that it was going to be mostly CG, which proved pretty true. I think I was expecting it to be almost all CG. So the fact that it isn't like 100% CG was a little bit of a selling point to me. I did not go to see this in the theaters, though, because, you know, the reviews were bad. Now, I am a high fantasy type of fan. I really love the Lord of the Rings movies. I even enjoy The Hobbits to a lesser degree. So it's not like if this had been good and the word had been good, I wouldn't have wanted to see it. I do like this kind of thing, actually, quite a bit. It's a genre that hasn't really been able to catch on in a big way. Really, only the Lord of the Rings movies have really managed to do it. And I think, um, you know, obviously the Harry Potter series was very successful, but I kind of don't consider that the same thing. I I know I'm probably splitting hairs here, but to me, it's not the same genre quite. No, I I know what you mean. Well, because Harry Potter takes place in our reality with with wizards, whereas like Warcraft and Lord of the Rings are their own thing. Yeah, they take place in a world that is not our own. So it wasn't like if this had been some great movie, I wouldn't have run out to see it because I would have. But I heard it was bad and didn't get around to seeing it for the first time until it ended up on Blu-ray or whatever. Uh, Rodney, did you see this in the theater? No. If there's anyone who this should be for, it's me. I literally played World of Warcraft. I love high fantasy. Lord of the Rings is maybe like my favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing the trailer for Warcraft and just being like, no, thank you. Like, I know... I know mediocre when I see it. And then if the reviews can't come out and said, this is actually pretty good, I would have then gone. But between like a really bad trailer, the bad CG in the trailer, and then the reviews, I was like, nah. But I've secretly always wanted to see it. And so when you asked me to come on the show, I was like, absolutely. I've got it. Now's my chance. Right on. I saw it at a friend's place. We were drinking i guess mm-hmm. i don't remember the first time i saw it in fact <laughs> in the first 30 minutes and we watched it in 3d but my friend said it's in 3d it's in 3d we had our glasses on and then 30 minutes to the movie i'm like is this 3d and then my friend's like oh whoops it's not and then he turned on the 3d uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then i forget everything else that happened and then i watched it twice again for this podcast you got the 3d blu-ray as uh, you showed me yes the i saw the first time in 3d And then the second time, not in 3D. The 3Ds, since most of the movie is in CG anyway, it's it's pretty good. It's not like in your face, though. CG stuff tends to look the best because they have the most sort of control over the image that way. So I can imagine in 3D it looks pretty decent. The 3D probably looks good. I don't think that saves it, though. So... Our intro for this, interestingly enough, sort of starts in a different way than a lot of these fantasy epics start in. We get an actual, I don't know if you'd call it a video game cutscene or something, where it's just a generic sort of warrior fighting a generic orc, and we hear the voice of Durotan, which is going to be our main orc. I just want to say out in the front here, the fucking names in this movie... (laughs) are almost impossible to follow. And I mean, I had to watch this movie twice just for this podcast. I had seen it once before. I watched it on Friday night. And by today, when I went to watch it again, I couldn't remember half the movie. I'm so glad I watched it twice because I was not able to retain most of it. And I'd already seen it 
twice. I mean, I can tell you, oh, it's about orcs and humans and one orc doesn't want to fight the humans and blah, blah, blah. But like other than that, all the little details I could not follow. And the names are part of the reason why it's so hard. I got to tell you, you seem a little dismissive of orc culture and their naming <laughs> conventions. And frankly, it's a little offensive. Okay, we meet Duratan and he is narrating over this little scene that we get in the beginning that there's this war between orcs and humans, but it didn't always used to be that way. It wasn't like that before the fell and the fell is a magic power that's going to play heavily into the story. Now, one thing that kind of bothers me about this voiceover coming back to it after watching the movie again is it's narrated by Duratan who's spoiler dead. Like, so how does he know how things have progressed in the war between man and humans? Is he narrating from beyond the grave? Is that what we're to assume? You know, I never even really thought about that because because I only watched it one time. And at that point, I did not know he's dead, obviously. I would assume that his spirit lives on in his tooth and is telling the story in the future. All right. Well, I will accept that. I will totally <laughs> accept that answer. The beginning, the opening, the two warriors is exactly the the trailer for the third warcraft game oh really um done in a hollywood budget oh um, it really was completely cg in the original it's for people that are fans of the game which i'm gonna say a lot they probably saw this and were like oh my god because it's if you look at this trailer it's the trailer for warcraft 3 but it's like i mean it's live action in the movie well it's like in the orc right, right i mean except for the the orc view I'm going to say something, just paint a picture. Up until the words Warcraft showed up, just this first 10 minutes, I was really into this movie. I thought this opening with like the warrior facing off against the orc was cool. The narration got all of this that we're about to talk about. I honestly was like, I don't know what people were talking about. I think I'm going to fucking love this. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the next scene we get is with the character of Durotan, who's the chieftain of the Frost Wolves, which is an orc tribe. And I guess they're a big deal amongst the, the orcs. And he's with his wife, Draka. So we've got Durotan and Draka. And they're in bed talking about the birth of their child, which they're not sure if it's going to be a boy or a girl. And they're talking about names. She's very pregnant. We might as well get into it now. These characters are all CG. I believe the the character of Duratan is voiced by Toby Klebel. I looked up right. the, the woman who did Draka's name, and I didn't know who, her, who she is, so I apologize to that actor. She does a fine job in the voiceover work. And I'll say this. I am definitely not super crazy about the design of the orcs here. I mean, I'm a Lord of the Rings guy. I like the Lord of the Rings orcs. I get it that these are a different kind of thing. They're much bigger, bulkier. They're almost like the Hulk in a way, physically. And then they've got these big giant tusks that come out of their, their lower jaws. It's just not a design that I'm super crazy about. It doesn't really do a lot for me. And it seems kind of instantly cartoony and fake. However, if I'm just judging the CG on a technical level, like is the CG achieving what they want to be doing with the CG? It's pretty good CG, especially with, um, I feel, the Draka character. Her face, I think, is well animated. And if you're buying into this, if this is something you like, if this is a character design that you like, it's done well. It's animated well. It kind of reminded me of our opinions on the um, aliens in uh, John Carter. If you like the design, it's done well. I'm not crazy about the design. I agree completely. I, I 
I fought against it at first, but I was like, look, I, let it go. They're, they're going to be CG orcs for the whole movie. But the CG looks good. In fact, I'm just going to say as a general statement, the orcs look good, but everything else looks really bad uh, in terms of the CG. I don't know. I, I was impressed. I think it's always a better choice just to have like actors in makeup. Right. Yeah. And you keep bringing up Lord of the Rings and I'm going to I'm going to say it like they that set the bar. And that's like 15 years older than this movie. Right. And like people in good makeup looks better than CG orc. I really like the CG in this movie. I put it on the level of the Hulk in the Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, later on, like not the first one or the second one. But later on, like in the Avengers, these orcs look good. The texture on the the skin, um, the eyes, it really sells it for me. And they're not trying to do Lord of the Rings. They're trying to do Warcraft. And right. those orcs look, they look like this. And yes, it's cartoony. Um, I agree that out of all the CG characters, maybe including the Griffin, they all look really good. Like in the light, you can see the... The soft hairs on their skin, it's, the attention to detail is, is amazing. And you have to be, because at this point now, when Blizzard makes a CG animated short for one of their games, it looks incredible. Right, so yeah. if you're making a movie of a Blizzard game, it has to be like even better than what the, the game makers are doing. Right. That, I was going to actually bring that up because I don't play the games like it's interesting to me like when you see a big budget movie like this like how good does it look compared to the game which is also you know obviously all cg blizzard is known for making some of the best cinematic like like cg sequences for their game like they're fun just to watch on their own but i i do think there's one technical thing we need to be clear of which is that while blizzard entertainment has their name on this title this was made by legendary and i think universal right and because of the, the failure of this movie, that caused Blizzard to open up their own internal film department called, it's like Activision Blizzard something, you know. It basically, they decided that they would start developing their own internal films based on their properties. They've never actually made any films since then. Mm -hmm. But I don't want anyone to think that Blizzard made this movie. They, like, licensed this film and other people fucked it up. Got it. No, yeah, the, the short films for Overwatch are Pixar level. Just yeah, th really those cool are all stuff. made by Blizzard, and they're all yeah. super impressive. In fact, one of my coworkers used to work at Blizzard, and he made those short films, and I know the quality level they put into them. And so it makes sense that Blizzard would at least expect that same level out of the orcs in this movie. And like, again, I'm going to I'm going to bitch about the CG a lot, but I will consi consistently say the orcs look good. All right. So the next scene, we get the orcs gathering and we meet sort of our main villain here, which is Gul'dan, who is sort of an orc wizard or something. This is a complaint I'm going to have a lot about this movie is this movie throws a lot at you and I think oh so much I mean kind of a, an absurd amount at you and I think that it's taking for granted that you probably are familiar with the mythology due to the games and for somebody like me who's not it comes at you so fast that when you see this movie for the first time it's imp almost impossible to process. And that's not to say that the story is complicated because it's not. The story and the plot are not complicated. It's just all the things that have names and mythological elements are thrown at you with such <laughs> rapid fire that it is virtually impossible to process it and understand it in any meaningful way, which is, I think, the thing that sinks this ship. 
Yeah, I, I think there's two things that sink it. I think that's number one. And, and number two is the characters, which we'll talk about a little later, I'm sure. But, you know, I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. And the reason Lord of the Rings works is because even though Frodo Baggins, like, lives in that world, he's kind of like a simple farmer who knows nothing about all the other shit, right? right? So half the first movie is Gandalf being like, let me tell you about Sauron and the ring and let me tell you all this other shit. And so you're catching up via him. But there's no one in this movie like that. It's right. just throwing, like, and I love this shit. And I know who Gul'dan is, and I still was confused. I will say, it's pretty obvious he's the bad guy, though. Because this dude is yes, like, yes. he's like hunched over with glowing green eyes and these like big spikes coming out of his like back. Right, it's obvious he's the bad guy, but I don't know how he has the fell. Like, he's just like, I'm Gul'dan, I've got the fell. This is what the fell is. <laughs> like, you know, like, right. okay, okay. Like, I get it. I get that he's the bad guy. I get that the fell is a magic power that sucks out people's energy. But like, how did he get it? Where did he get it? Like, he's been killing all of his planet. You just feel like you're constantly catching up with stuff. I think what's super confusing is that Doratan, our main character, he's like, hey, all of the tribes have like gotten together, right? And so there's like actually multiple different tribes led by different leaders. But then it's unclear who is Gul'dan. Is he like the grand leader of all the tribes? Right. Or is he just like a badass wizard that they've agreed to follow? Exactly. Like, that's never covered. There's so much lore. And I don't know when the movie was pushed through, they were like, these, someone went to the producer or whatever and they're like hey this many people are playing this game they're all gonna see the movie but obviously not because rodney didn't right yeah. <laughs> yeah but and so the the people the fans they didn't show up but this movie does fan service so freaking hard i kind of love it for it mm -hmm. um <laughs> Steve, i'm starting to get the sense that you like this movie and it's making me uncomfortable <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's not a good movie Yes, and I agree with your first point that too much stuff, too much lore. And this is the first orc war between humans and the orcs. It's all before the game of World of Warcraft. This is your introduction to it. Gul'dan's played by, and this shocked me to hell, Daniel Wu from Into the Badlands. I did not realize that. I know him first from a movie called Love Undercover. He's, like a, he's been in a lot of Hong Kong movies. Um, I got to wonder for a lot of these people why they said yes and not just for a paycheck and maybe not because they wanted to be in a Duncan Jones movie. I'll say this, and I know Rodney's going to disagree with me here. For the most part, I feel like everyone is giving the performance they are asked to do effectively. I do not feel that it works for me in a grand sense of where I'm understanding the characters or anything like that. But like nobody's sticking out as like a bad voice performance or even a, a bad acting performance. There's definitely an actor that I, I think should not have been in the movie and we will get to him. What we should get to next is in this scene where we're seeing the gathering of the orcs, we're introduced to the character of Garona played by Paula Patton. And the incongruous element here is that because her character is a half-orc, whatever that means, because we don't ever get that really explained. I mean, I get it. She's half-orc and half-something else. But if, what is she something else of a human? Right, because there are no humans in the world that they come from. We're totally going to get into this okay. um, later. In fact, in the game lore, she thinks 
she's half human, which in this case would never happen because they hadn't crossed over yet. Right. But she is, and they've changed stuff around from the game, obviously, half Draenei, which are the blue people that are right. imprisoned in the beginning of the, oh, okay. the, the movie. And they just happened, that mix between orc and um, Draenei just happens to look kind of like human. a human being. All right. They felt like putting the Draenei in would be one step too far in terms of lore. <laughs> right. Well, they are there. I I know what you're saying, Steve. She passes by a cage and there's these blue people in the cage and they say something to her. And OK, I get it. So she's half one of them. But it's a weird artistic choice because you have Paula Patton, who's a very attractive woman. She's playing this character of Garona, who I kept thinking thinking of as Gomorrah, another green Gamora, character yeah. played oh, by Zoe on. Saldano, who looks a lot like Paula Patton. The characters are very similar. You can easily get Garona and Gamora switched up in your brain. So Gul'dan's got Garona on chains. Why is Gul'dan leading Garona around? In like Garona seems to have all the privileges of a normal orc for the most part except that she's a prisoner because she's not a full orc and and they even bring her with them why would you be bringing a prisoner like either she's part of the team or she's not it's such a weird choice i don't understand it i don't know was it explained later why she was in chains if you watch this movie three times like i did no, <laughs> two times um you can extrapolate stuff about her um she's obviously a slave, you find out later that her name means cursed. Um, I mean, cursed birth, like half child, whatever. She's a character from the games. I think the problem here, and this is going to apply to a lot of these characters, is yeah, it's great if she's a character from the games, but give her a reason to be in this story. And they don't really give you a reason because she's just being led around. Like if she was a character who was like, okay, she's a half breed and everybody knows it and they've got a prejudice against her, but she's such a badass that it's like, no way, we're not going in through this portal without Garona because she's the best. Like, that would make sense to me. I'd be like, okay, she's a half-breed, but there's no way they're leaving her behind. In this case, they're like, why are you bringing your slave girl into the portal? Sebastian, if you're going through a portal to another world, you're not going to take your slave girl? Good point. Can I just say, I know I know you kind of mentioned it, but she looks so dumb. Every other fucking character is a CG creation. And here's this, like, girl in green makeup with fake teeth. And I don't know why someone thought this was a good idea. But it looks so dumb. And it's one of the things that makes the movie look cheap, despite its incredibly high budget. It's just in Congress. It's like, if you're going to do that, have the other characters fit in with that aesthetic. And she does it. And be in makeup as well. Like, like in Lord of the Rings. It made me feel like they put her in all the makeup. And they're like, boy, that took a lot of time. And they're like, what if we just do everyone else's CG? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paula, don't take that makeup off, all right? <laughs> Well, and it's like, I feel if you've got a character in sort of interesting, different skin tones than what would be normal, if you set them against other characters who are in sort of similar makeup designs, it can work. But in her case, it just looks weird because everybody else that she's around either has natural skin tones or they're a CG character. So it ends up just clashing really badly. And because she needs to be attractive, she can't have the giant tusks coming out from the bottom of her mouth. So she's got these little teeth coming out and it just doesn't. Wait, look wait, good. you didn't think Draco was like super hot? <laughs> <laughs> okay, to your point, we've got Draca, who's a female 
and who's sort of the same rough dimensions as Garona, but she's looks like CG. So again, we're in a weird aesthetic. If there's a uncanny valley for the half orc, like she's it. She's like, it's not quite right. That's exactly what it is. It's it's she creates an uncanny valley effect in the middle of the movie, which is already giving you an uncanny valley effect because everything's so CG. But then this is kind of throwing off that whole illusion. The big thing that happens here is they go through their portal because they're going to use Gul'dan's fell magic, which is this evil green magic that sucks the energy out of living things to use for evil, I guess. They don't really fully explain what exactly it does. I just, I guess it just makes you powerful if you have it. It corrupts. It's a green magical energy taken from life, which corrupts other things. What's the good thing you get out of it? You get power. You get power. Okay. You get the power. I think they do a pretty good job of explaining that. Like you suck the life out of one thing and you use it as a right. power for another thing. Like he kills a whole bunch of the blue people to turn on the portal. Right. Later, he, like, kills a deer to, like, resurrect that baby, which we'll talk about. I think the cool thing, when they go through the portal, it's upright like a door. But when they go through it, after going through, like, this limbo space, they come out from the ground like it's water. Like a lake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. All the trees that were on this piece of land in the, you know, the human world are, like, floating in the, the void uh, between realms. Yeah, I liked that part. I thought that was cool. Doratan says to his wife, because his wife, his pregnant wife, is like, I want to come with you. And he's like, okay. And he's like, I'll go through first. And I was like, what difference does that fucking make? Like, once your husband goes (laughs) through the big portal, like, you don't know if he died or not. So Right, right. She does go through, and the unfortunate side effect is that her baby is then uh, born on the other side, stillborn. She goes through and like there's this uh, lieutenant called Blackhand who's going to be our sort of side guy who's going to be a thorn in everyone's side. Played by Clancy Brown, right? Yes. Right. Such a great voice. You can't have a movie with a creature in it without having Clancy Brown. He pretty much is in every <laughs> horror fantasy thing. But um, he's pissed off and he's going to be a pain in the ass. He's mad that Duratan <laughs> brought his pregnant wife. Yeah, brought her through. Right. But Gul'dan decides to just pull the baby out of her and he he kind of pulls it. it looks like he's pulling out of her butt the way it's shot no no she's on all fours as opposed to on her back um it's very different from a human birth let's just say as we would assume from orcs uh he pulls it out of her butt and then uses fell magic <laughs> to revive it and when when he infuses fell magic into an orc, it becomes a sort of greenish Hulk-like hue, which, by the way, <laughs> was something I had not grokked until, like, the third viewing. Like, I was like, why why are some orcs green and some orcs not? And then like, it was only to, like, viewing number three that I figured out, oh, it's because they've got the fell in them. All right, now I get it. Is that what you thought? That's not how I read that. But I guess I just thought it was like the baby is blue because it's dead and it's turning green to show it's coming back to life. And just like different different tribes have different skin colors. No, but like Duraton and Draka are of the um, the red skinned orcs. Right. And they're, they had like a blue kid because of, you know, lack of oxygen or whatever. I think it was weak but still clinging to life at that point. It was premature because of the, the void. Oh, right. Then Gultan raises it above his head and says, a new warrior for the Horde, which I believe is what happens 
in the game when you create a new orc unit. Ah, okay. Um, they actually say that in the game. And then it goes to title. You might be right, Sebastian. I don't know if that's it. The green skin is a thing. Don't think for a second that I can't be wrong about anything in this because, like... Oh, I, I, I know you can be wrong. <laughs> I totally think it's the green fell magic that turns them green. All right. See, I mean, that's how I read it. I won. Okay. I won this one. Anyway, but yeah, then we cut to the title and we get the composer is... Um, Isn't it Ra- Ramin Jawadi? From Game of Thrones? I think you're right. It is Romain Jawadi. There's one mm-hmm. notable theme in this. I'm sure it's from the game, right? Is that a theme from the game, or did he write that? It sounds like it's from the game, no but idea. I can't be sure. I don't want to say. Dude, at this point, like I said, I was in. We've had we've had like like 80 people have died at this point. We almost had, we had like an on-screen almost dead baby, a dead deer, a portal, an evil wizard. I was like, this is going to be fucking great. And then... The rest of the movie happens, and it starts at this place called Ironforge. Another huge complaint I'm going to level at this movie. The places they go sometimes are given names, sometimes are not. So they become really confusing, and we go from place to place rapidly. And this is something that Lord of the Rings understood. When you go to all these different environments, it should be a big deal. And in this movie, they just go. They just, like if they're not flying there via Griffin, they are teleporting there instantly. There's never any real travel time going to, from place to place. And we're just there in some new place. And you're like, where is this? And like this Iron Forge is a place that's like a sort of snowy sort of dwarf mine type of thing. Yeah. Is that Am I understanding? It's a video correctly? game location. Yeah, it's like it's like the dwarven homes. It's city. like the mines of Moria in Lords of the Rings. But it's completely irrelevant. Right. It has nothing to do with this story. Exactly. Which is the reference material. Lord of the Rings are, you know, Norse mythology. These are the basis for all of these, you know, right. this game, the lore. Obviously anything with a name, given a name in this movie, it's from the game. Right. And it's for sure. people that played the game. I can't not see it through the gamer's view. <laughs> But for people that don't know anything about it, yes, it's it must be confusing as hell to be like, what, where? And you know what, Steve? If you're enjoying it for, as a gamer, that's totally cool. I'm just bringing in my perspective of it, which is that I'm not. And so I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? I get it. It's basically a dwarf mind like the Mines of Moria. I have analogs from Lord of the Rings to draw from. I get that they're drawing from all of that. It's just my like actually trying to like keep track of this brain is struggling really hard. And that's making it hard for me to get into the story because I'm like, where are we now? Where are we now? It's a weird disorienting effect. You know what I mean? We're in Ironforge, Sebastian. It was very clear. <laughs> right. And here in Ironforge, we meet a CGI dwarf that's showing our hero, Lothar, played by Travis Fimmel, uh, a boomstick, which is basically like a mini musket. So in this world, we have guns. I get it. That's fine. I'll buy it. Travis Fimmel, we should talk about because he's sort of our main guy and he's clearly cut out of the sort of Viggo Mortensen Aragorn mold as a hero. He's got the kind of shaggy hair and the beard. I had not seen this guy in anything. I guess he was, he came to 
fame in the Vikings show. So that's why he was cast in this. I have since seen him in Raised by Wolves, a show I really enjoyed, and I thought he was really good in that. He's not given the opportunity to bring a lot to this character because of the pace of the movie and the way everything runs. And I also feel that he is sort of a more inherently villainous type of an actor. And I feel that kind of comes through weirdly in this, where I'm supposed to think he's the Aragorn noble hero, but I'm always kind of like, when's he going to like turn on everybody and like kill everyone? He's just got this, this kind of look in his eyes that's kind of, I don't know, evil or something. And it comes through a lot in Raised by Wolves, but he's our hero. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think he might be the most boring main character I've ever seen in an action movie. Look, I've never seen Vikings either, right? I know he's like, like people love him from that. And I agree, he's great on Raised by Wolves, but I'm just talking about this performance. This is the most bland character ever put on screen. <laughs> and he's the fucking lead of it. And part of it is the writing. I'm going to say most of it is the writing because his acting is okay. He's doing, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But he's also not like winning me over. I'm not no. sitting there being like, oh man, I like this guy. Nope. Right? Dude, I watched this whole fucking movie. I didn't even know he had a name until you just said it. I do not know any of his skill sets. I don't know his history, his backstory, what he wants, who he is, where he comes from. Nope. The only thing I can tell you is that like he's good at jumping onto birds. Right. <laughs> and he, he fights pretty good without uh, any shoes on. We learned that later. <laughs> he's a good fighter. I know he's a good fighter. Barefoot fighter. Let me ask you this. What's his job? What is he I don't do? even know. I do not know. That's what I'm saying. He's the king's brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> that's true there's no reason for anyone to freaking know this but back in the day lane medvin and anduin lothar adventured together okay um they were the trio of heroes in the old stories that no one cares about that should have been in the movie that should yeah. that needed to be in the movie but that wasn't versus the orcs which is what you know people want to see warcraft for Travis Fromell, yes, I've seen Vikings, or at least the first season, thought it was great. He does come off as kind of sinister, yeah. which works perfectly in Raised by Wolves. Yeah. Here, he seems kind of foreign, and I think he's from Australia. Yeah, that's another weird... I thought he was, like, Dutch but His accent's so weird. Yeah, Like, I thought really he was, weird. like, yeah, from... Um, from Scandinavia. I thought he was something. Dutch or something because of the way his yeah. accent goes. But no, he's from Australia, which is really odd. I mean, he's an odd right. presence. And I feel like casting him as your righteous warrior hero is not a good move. No, the, the casting director was like, yo, Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> did you not love it? And they were yeah. like, put him in there. Can, can I also say this movie has no famous people in it? You made like a two hundred. Oh, it has a famous I... person in it. We'll get to her. Oh, that's true. There oh, is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And and Sebastian, I didn't look it up. Or Steve, what what is the budget on this movie? It's a uh, hundred and sixty million. Dude, who makes a hundred and sixty million dollar movie and doesn't put any famous people in it? All the money went into the CG budget. I'm pretty sure. Oh, obviously, because it didn't go into stars. Yeah. Right, but like you have, I mean, Paula Patton coming off of a uh, Mission Impossible Four. Toby Cabell, who I only know from um, Black Mirror, but he I think he was also in Kong Skull Island, which came after this or before? It was after. 
I agree these people have been in front of cameras right, before, right. but no one's no one's shown up because Travis Fimmel is the lead of your movie. Except for right. like a very small contingent of hardcore Vikings fans. You know who I never have seen in any movies before and probably never will since is the next character we meet in the world of Stormwind. Like we, we go off to a new lo- location, Stormwind. Which I guess is where the king is. Is that am I? It's like the it's like the human capital. But again, not very well explained, by the way. But okay, I can roll with that. So Lothar goes to Stormwind. I'm ostensibly to meet with the king, and he meets the character of Cadgar, played by an actor named Ben Schnetzer. Okay, he looks like that's his name. That he does look like that's his name, and he is mucking with a corpse. All right, we need to stop here for a moment because I need to talk about this character and this actor i want to stay in the interest of being kind i think the guy's a fine actor like he's actually acting fine he's doing what he's being asked to do but he is woefully woefully miscast he does not look like a character in this game he looks like somebody playing this game like he looks like a gamer like, he does not look like a person who'd be in a fantasy story. He kind of looks like a hipster gamer guy. And he's this young wizard who's part of this group of wizards called the Kirin Tor. But he's rejected them for whatever reason. He doesn't want to be a part of them. Unfortunately, this character, I feel, is the worst element of the whole movie. And I don't blame the actor He's just not the person they should have put in this role. I completely agree. Man, we are going to line up a lot on this because this dude is from some other fucking movie. I don't think this guy is very good. I think he is okay at best. But everything from his facial hair to his haircut to, like, at least Travis Fimmel looks kind of dirty. Like, he lives in a fantasy world where, like... Yeah, he looks the part. This guy does not at all. Oh, my God. This guy is this guy is painful. Every time it cut to him, and he, as soon as I started to realize this guy's going to be in the whole movie... He's so important. He's, like, the other main hero, really. Yep. And again, other than he's a wizard who left some group, I can't tell you anything about him. But I found him obnoxious, and I blame him for mostly ruining the movie. Wow. I, Steve, why do you love this character so much? I don't love the character, but for all the reasons why Sebastian and you, I guess, hate the character is probably why he's in there. Like, the knights are the jocks, and the mages are, like, the bookworm nerds. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like the proxy for the gamers, and he's the mage class. It's a fun class to play. Um, it's a shame you don't like this guy because apparently he was cast as York Brown in Why the Last Man, the TV series. Yeah, but you know what? That might be fine. That's a t- completely different character. I don't hate this actor uh, because of who he is or how he acts. I feel like he's miscast. It's a it's a casting issue. The right. second he appeared on screen, I was like, this guy does not belong in this world. Yes. He, is, he just walked in off off of the street and they put a costume on it. Right. It's a character from the game, guys. Oh, no, it's he's a character from the game. He does get rapidly aged at some point in the lore, but here he's basically 17. Yeah, but Steve, I'm not saying I don't want Cadgar, the important character, not in the film. I don't care if he's in the film. Just please get hair and makeup and the costume people to make him look like he's part of the right world. Right. 
That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, got it. After this, we meet the Guardian, who is played by Ben oh. Foster, and I love Ben Foster, and I think he's perfect as this character. You know, like, you want to tell me he's a wizard? I'm fine with Ben Foster being a wizard. Like, he works. I buy it a lot more. Wow. Because when I saw this character, I expected, like, Merlin, and then we get Angel from X-Men 3, The Last Stand. I'm uh-huh. like, I, I don't know him from other stuff. When I saw ah. Ben Foster, I'm like, why is this guy playing the guardian of the realm? It it made no sense to me. But then I read that he went on adventures with the king and Lothar. So I'm just like, okay, that makes sense that he's a little bit on the young side. Right. They're they're aging him down to fit in with the other guys. Well, I just want to say in Ben Foster's defense, Ben Foster is a great actor. If you've never seen 310 to Yuma, I highly recommend yeah, that movie. He's, he's so, so good, good in that. He's been in some movies and he's been excellent. He can knock it out of the park. So I'm happy to see him. And I think he does fine as this character. I mean, he's obviously going to turn into a villain. That's something that you figure out almost immediately. And I'm sure if you know the game, you probably already know that. But like as a lay person just watching this, I'm like, oh, he's going to turn bad. Like all I have to do is look at him to know that he's going to do that. Right. He's kind of a a dick, like straight up early on so right like he's giving cadgar a hard time because cadgar is like looking through his wizard books when he doesn't want him to and of course like cadgar's brand is leading him down this mystery and we can just sort of talk about it you know as an overall thing without going into it detail by detail but basically cadgar is going to figure out that the Guardian, a.k.a., uh, what's his name? Medivh. I think it's Medivh. Medivh. Thank you. Yeah. You know, has basically been corrupted by the Fell and is playing a role in all of this. Can one of you just explain to me what the fuck a Guardian is? Like, what is that role? Like, why does the movie not even take a mo? They're just like, we need to go talk to the Guardian. And then they hop on their bad-looking CG bird and fly to his castle And I guess he's just like the best wizard in the kingdom. I am going to take a little bit of an issue with you ragging on that bird too much. I like the griffin. I think it's cool. The the griffin CG I think is as good, um, if not better, than the orc CG. Oh, my God. Hard disagree. (laughs) (laughs) The feather stuff is just amazing, especially when Lothar Rums is here. You're you're a fan of the feather work? Yeah. (laughs) The feather work does it for you? Exactly. That's exactly, exactly what it does. <laughs> I assume it just looks amazing in 3D, and I'm just an asshole for watching the normal version. Mounts are like a huge part of the game. It's like this extra thing you can ride, like a whatever. And yeah, no, I get it. They play that up. They play that up. I like that kind of thing, too. I like when characters ride giant creatures and fly around on them. I'm totally down for all that, so I'm not bagging it for that. Anyway, back to the, the, to the Guardian. The Guardian, he basically presides over this fount of magic in the tower. He's like the Sorcerer Supreme of Azeroth. I don't know how he got that position, but from what I get from his interactions with Cadgar is that there can only be one and that there's always an apprentice that replaces the master, like right. the Sith or whatever. And that's why he's constantly being like, you're going to take this from me now or you know, whatever st- stuff. Right. And I liked that. I liked that it was pretty clear that Medivh was like, what are you snooping through my stuff? What you're looking to take over, take my job? Basically, you know, he knows that this kid is out for his gig. So 
I was fine with that. It's just not well explained. Like nothing in this movie is well explained. I don't know why. I don't know what the guardian means. I can extrapolate the answer that you gave, Steve, that, yeah, they must be the head wizard or whatever. But then there's this other group of wizards that's above him. And, you know, that's where it gets complicated and confusing. I mean, I assume that from people from Kirin Tor, the the floating magical city, they pick someone who's not an elder to be in this... (laughs) shitty job of being the guardian right um it's just like a thankless job he only stays with um that guy from Battlestar, um callum morose i believe his name is yeah morose yeah because he's morose it's a shitty existence <laughs> i watch a lot of fantasy shit and i play a lot of video games and i'm a smart guy and we're 20 minutes in the movie and already i'm like i don't know what's happening uh-huh. i don't know anything i don't know who's doing what they're like go see the guardian and and like you're telling me he's guarding a magic tower, and I assumed he like guards Stormwind because there's like a big statue of him in Stormwind. Am I wrong? Is, Is that, that not a statue? Oh, okay. I Was that. that not a statue of him? Probably. You're probably. I don't know. I will agree, Sebastian. Ben Foster does a pretty good job. And this place that he stays at, this wizard castle that he lives in, is called Karazan, which I had to, like, dig into the movie to find because they don't put up a subtitle or anything. And and this is a location that we're going to come back to multiple times. Like, we keep teleporting back to this location. In fact... One of the three climaxes that happens at the end at the same time is happening in this location, yet it is never explained to us what it is, where it is. Like, is this part of Stormwind or something? Or is this just in some other place? Or where is this in relation to everything else? It's far enough that you need a griffin to travel to it. Right. That's true. (laughs) I got that. It's also a location from the game, apparently. Right, of course. No, I, you know, we can assume that all things are from the game. Sebastian, it's based on a video game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the major thing that's sort of happening here without going into every last detail is Duratan is having doubts. Uh, he's hanging out with his buddy Ogrim, who's going to factor into the story this other orc. And he's having doubts about what Gul'dan is doing. Because, you know, he's killing helpless villagers and that's not the orc way. You know, as if you couldn't tell that, you know, maybe sucking the life out of other things and using it for power probably isn't like a noble enterprise either. But still, we're setting up our conflict here that there's this one orc who's going to stand against the bad guy and join in with the humans to upset his rule. After they meet with uh, Medivh, they go back to the king's castle with Medivh to explain the situation with the orc because the humans don't really understand what's going on. There's these creatures, they've suddenly appeared and they're attacking, so they don't know what's going on there. Medivh explains to them what is happening, and this is where we um, meet Lothar's son, who's named Callan, who's like a sergeant in like the king's army. And we also meet the king's wife, who is also Lothar's sister, Taria, and she's played by an actress, Ruth uh, Nega. And the king, Lane, is played by Dominic Cooper, who is an actor I've seen in a lot of things. He was Tony Stark in one of the, or I mean, Captain America. You know, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but again, he's not like a name name. He's just a guy that's shown up in a ton of stuff. He was in Preacher with Ruth Nega um, as Tulip. And they, at this point, they had been dating for, I believe, six years or something. Oh, really? Um, So it's interesting to see them paired again as husband and wife in this movie. Um, I think I first saw her in uh, the um, 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's since gone on to be do better things. Um, and then Dominic Cooper, yeah. He was in that really garbage um, Need for Speed movie. He's also in Dracula Untold. He was the villain in that. Anyway, I actually like these characters somewhat. Not uh, Callan the son, but I do like the king and I like the queen. They don't have a lot to do, but they're at least, you know, they're noble and they seem like kind people. Oh, they seem like lovely, kind people. (laughs) I mean, that honorable nobleness um, definitely plays into, you know, welcoming Gnor- Gamora. Let's just call her Gamora. She's Gamora. Yeah, let's just call her Gamora. Yeah, Gamora. I'm going to call her <laughs> Into the fold. And that trust plays an important part um, later on when it's seemingly broken. The king and the queen are fine. I do have to say that the king's crown is the dumbest prop in the movie. <laughs> it looks it looks more fake than the fucking CG orcs. Like, it's embarrassing. Now, you can make fun of his crown, but don't you make fun of his sweet lion helmet, because that lion helmet is sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that. I love that lion helmet he wears later. But yeah, so, you know, they're basically trying to figure out what's going on with these orcs. And so the next scene we get is now... The heroes are just sort of suddenly out in the woods somewhere. I guess they were just going to the site of some sort of skirmish or fight in the woods, right? Someone comes in and says, like, oh, there's smoke. And so they're, and then um, Lothar is like, we need to get at least a body to see who the hell these guys are. And that's when they're going out. Right. And before uh, Cadgar had figured out that the fell by getting it out of a dead body. So it's sort of been established that that's how they're they're finding stuff. They go to this site of a skirmish in the woods and then the bad orc black hand attacks, which, you know, and unfortunately, another problem is the design of the orcs makes it a little difficult to tell them apart. So I'm kind of like, is this black hand we're dealing with here? And it's like black hand is named Blackhand because one of his hands is all charred up, right? I'm not quite sure about that. Um, he does have these giant, like, cool, like, dinosaur shoulder pads. Right. Um, or they're wolves or something. I did not notice if Blackhand had a black hand or not. I just I just remember he had, like, the big black beard and the cool shoulder pads. It's sort of dumb, right? You have this character named after the thing they're known for. But they only get that later in the movie. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't get his hands burnt off until this scene. Right. So it's like, did they, like, psychically know that's what was going to happen to him one day? It's like, don't name yourself decapitated because then. (laughs) (laughs) When Duratan's parents, when he was born, um, they're like, this kid's going to be dark. Let's name him Dort. (laughs) It's like, you know, whatever. It's, It's orc culture. What can we say? So Blackhand shows up and attacks them, and Lothar's son is there, and he gets knocked down, but he's not killed. But this is basically, you know, foreshadowing that bad shit's going to happen to Callan at some point. Like, I think he gets injured, like, twice before he's finally killed later. We know where this is going. Yeah, that's, um, that's sort of a trope at this point. But also it can be used for a great misdirection. Yeah. I know during, like, whatever Avengers movie, like... I was like, this is where Hawkeye dies. Right. And then 
that's the smart thing to do is set up this trope and then go against it. But that's not what this movie does. So the orcs attack and Lothar shoots off Blackhand's hand, fulfilling the prophecy of his name. And he shoots it off <laughs> with one of those boomsticks. And then Medivh uses fell magic to kill the green orcs. At least that was my understanding, right? Right. He's um sending out this earth shock wave that basically pulls the fell forcefully out of the green orcs, um, frustrating them of, you know, their life force. And to protect Medivh, Khadgar emits a blue shield. Yeah. And that's when Duratan is, like, right about to kill Medivh. Um, and then he realizes that, oh, these humans have this magical power also. I have to say I was a little annoyed by the wizard powers because I felt like they came out of nowhere and it was like, not to keep harping on Lord of the Rings, but what I like about the character of Gandalf is like, he's a wizard and he's a badass, but he doesn't just like bust out like crazy magic all the time. Cadgar's supposed to be kind of like a low level dude, but he's like busting out serious like shields and all sorts of stuff. Like, why can't he just fuck everyone up? Like, they just seem so super powerful but yet their power doesn't seem to do that much when whenever they do magic it's like some crazy blue cg and it's like it just seems like it's a big fucking deal but i guess it's not because it doesn't really affect things that much yeah i'm with you like he has the power to like literally literally like levitate an orc and like hold him up against a tree and they like question him right don't does he question him while he's up there that's how that's how they get corona right and i'm like really like one like first of all maybe you should round up more wizards because it seems like they're a lot more useful than like swords and shields but also i i'm with you sebastian but i also thought the magic looked kind of stupid it just didn't look very impressive i'm sort of half with you half not i i thought that the special effects of it were pretty cool at times and i bet it looked good in 3d it bugged me more that i didn't understand what their power levels were and if they've got this power and they can do all this shit, it seems like they should be able to take care of a lot of these problems really easily. They don't really want to explain what the magic really does or how much they can use, but they just kind of bust it out when they need to. Right. I mean, in typically that magic comes at a, a physical cost. I'm just extrapolating that Cadgar was so freaking good at magic at the school that he like pulled up Bill Gates and was like, "I'm so smart, I'm out of here." Right. <laughs> um, I just I disagree with your the way you're teaching stuff. I'm just better doing this on my own. Right, and and we do see the cost of things on Medivh, but he's also infected with the fell. So I don't know if it's because he's using magic or because of the fell. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just like many things in this movie, it's not clear. And as somebody who doesn't play the games, that's a problem. Like, this was not made for people who don't play the game. It's kind of not. It's kind of not at all, which is, um, you know, the chicken before the egg. Like, we're making this for the fans, but then we want everyone to see it. There is a cool scene here in this forest where, like, uh, Lothar fights a wolf-riding orc. So I like that. I like that there's a wolf rider in here. And he shoes the wolf off by, like, holding one of the orcs prisoner and makes a joke about once the or the wolf runs away, he makes a joke about, like, oh, it would have been a good coat. And then that's when Garona attacks Cadgar and he subdues her with magic. So they load 
Garona and this orc into a prison cart. And as they're rolling along, Lothar is sort of questioning Garona and she's telling him, she's giving him information sort of freely. And the other orc who can't speak uh, English like Garona can, which we find out she learned from just some prisoner they had or something. That's why Gul'dan brought her. She's not only his slave, but she's so freaking good at language. She picked it up. Within a couple of days from some prisoners that they, human prisoners that they captured. Um, it's the only explanation that made sense to that me. That would have been good if that was explained in the movie. I can buy that. I can buy that as a extrapolated reason for sure. So what they're basically establishing here is this bond that's going to form between Garona and Lothar, a sort of romance Rodney, what did you feel about this romance? Did you feel that this was Jack and Rose in the Titanic level kind of tragic romance? I think it was a little more powerful than that. Yeah. It really, it really <laughs> moved me. Like I, like I said, I really just don't care about these characters. And like, I mean, much like yourselves, I know I just watched this two days ago, and yet whole sequences are missing from my brain now. So I don't remember if anything even becomes of their romance. It does in the worst way possible, which we'll get into later. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I, like, obviously, there's one, there's one, like, sexy green orc, and she's talking to the main character, so I'm like, clearly, they're gonna have a romance story here, right? I do think it was confusing, because when you first meet the orcs, they're all speaking in English, but then you meet the humans, and they all speak in English, and it's not till later you realize that they're actually speaking different languages, and I just understand them both. It's a movie conceit. It's like the beginning of um, The Hunt for October, right. where they're all speaking in Russian, and then slowly... They start speaking English, and we're meant to think that, to understand that that's Russian. And they're doing that here. And they actually do it a lot with um, Gorona. As she plays translator in the movie, later on, they do another sequence where, like, they switch and they fade from, you know, now the orcs are speaking English kind of thing. Right. They do it the one time, and it, it, I understood it then, but I did not understand it at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the prisoner orc is basically saying, stop talking to this guy or else I'm going to kill you. Stop talking, and then she keeps on talking, and then he goes to kill her, and then Lothar stabs him in the neck, and that's yeah the beginning of this um this understanding. So they take Corona to meet the king, and the king seems fine meeting this strange half orc woman, and Corona explains that the orcs aren't from this world. Like there's this big map on the ceiling, and he's the king is like, "Where are you from?" and points to the map, and she's like, "Not from anything there. We're from a whole other world." So now the humans know that the orcs are coming from an entirely different dimension, basically, is my understanding. And, you know, the queen meets Corona and she's really nice. They, like, put her in this very lovely metal cage mm-hmm. with a very uncomfortable looking bed. And they're like, uh, yeah, you're like our, our prisoner of honor, I guess. I mean, initially when they meet her, she's just walking around, touching everything, even the king. And, like, everyone's like... Cool, I guess. It's a little weird for such a dangerous looking prisoner to just be like, yeah, sure. Touch my lion throne. Right. (laughs) Yeah, they seem very cool with her kind of right away. And I guess that's just to show that these are nice people who aren't going to judge green skinned beings for no reason. The queen like gives her wine and she's like, I can take away your slave collar if you want and you can live here if you want like they're right away they're just opening the doors to Garona and you know it's not that Garona isn't nice but she's got a kind of a gruff personality she's constantly like 
you know, judging people on their warrior skills or and whatnot. So I don't know if I'd immediately like invite her to live at my place. They're really being hospitable to her. Cadgar finds like a drawing in a book that moves, which is going to lead him to discover that Medivh has been corrupted. Uh, also, what's going on at this time is sort of like Duratan is becoming more and more disillusioned with Gul'dan. You know, he's talking to his buddy. Oh, God. What's the name of this character? Grim, <laughs> Grimgar something. Ogrim. <laughs> he's talking to Ogrim. Duratan's friend, Ogrim, I guess his second. Um, in command. He's a huge character in the games. His name is like, full name is Ogrim Doomhammer. Nice. Um which because he has that giant hammer. I bet I wish my name was Doomhammer. I'll mention it now and hopefully never mention it again. Someone call me on it. All the weapons that you see in the game, I mean in the movie, are straight up recreations of items you can get in the game. Right. Um, you know, again, tons of nods and Easter eggs. Yeah, I think Medivh visits Garona. Garona in prison and disappears. Right before the queen comes and gives her a blanket. Yeah. Which she tends, which she wears for the rest of the movie, I think. She definitely shows up with the blanket on a few times. Like she has that on when she goes to see Lothar later when he's in the dungeon. So, yeah, right. that blanket comes back. But they don't really explain why the blanket is so important to her. I guess she just likes the blanket. To make her feel comfortable. It's like uh, one of those weighted blankets, you know, I don't know. But the important thing about the conversation between Duratan and uh, all grim is that Duratan's got a plan he's forming to get the humans to help them out with going against Gul'dan. <laughs> yeah, they're they're basically looking out at the the beautiful views of Azeroth. Is like, oh, remember when our planet was like this? Yeah, like this is all Gul'dan's fault um, because of the fell magic. Back, they go to Lothar giving Garona armor because we're they're going to win a scouting party. To go look at the portal that they're building. And then we get a little more hot, hot heat from Lothar as he's sort of strapping Garona in and like tightening the armor on her. We're really right, feeling right. the sexual tension. Let's take a moment here. And because it's a podcast and we have to bring up Avatar, we get a lot of um, CG environments in this, which I think some of them are pretty cool. Like I like the sort of foresty jungle that a lot of this takes place in. And, you know, we see this particularly in this conversation between Duratan and, and his buddy there. Overall, I I think I prefer the CG environments in this movie to the actual physical sets. I think every physical set, mainly like the, like the castle and so forth, looks terrible. Like, just like embarrassingly bad. At least with the CG environments, there's a certain kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, like it's that Avatar thing. They can do more with the background. And I think the lighting is more dynamic in those sequences. I think that's the problem with the real sets that you're having, honestly. I think it's the lighting. The lighting yes. is so hot and high on the normal sets. They would look so much better if they could be darker and have more shadows to them. But because the CG is so bright, they have to match the look of the sets with the CG. And so you're seeing these sets that when you put like crazy bright lights on them look 
kind of fake and cheesy. Are you talking about the scenes with the human actors that are in sort of castles? Your, and I just stuff, assumed yeah. everything was um was on a green screen and that everything was fake. No, I don't think so. I mean, like the throne room is clearly like a real physical set they built. But no, you're right. It's the lighting. It, like there's these scenes where like there's like candles burning, but it's clear that there's like. 40,000 watt bulbs above the stage shining like a white light down. Yeah. You know? Like I said, every time it cuts to what the orcs are doing, it felt like more of a real movie to me. That's where I was bringing up Avatar because I feel like in those moments, it feels more of like a complete realized world the way Avatar does. But yeah, when they go to the humans and there are sets, it has the same sort of effect of Garona being a human amongst orcs it's like it sticks out weird like i said throughout there were there were certain sequences where i was like hey that looks pretty good and other times i was like this is embarrassingly bad and i'm just surprised how wide that margin is there's one that i found really really embarrassing and that's like later when the king is saying goodbye to his family and it looks like they shot it on the disney where the day of the disney parade <laughs> i'm like yes. why are we suddenly yes. at like the, where the disney parade happens <laughs> like <laughs> So the heroes ride in, up into the mountains and make camp. And we have this scene where Cadgar is kind of admiring Garona's hotness. And, you know, she mocks his unmanliness and is like, he wants to lie with me. And we learn that, you know, she's survived this long because, you know, she's gotten a lot of broken bones and broken bones heal stronger. And this is where, like uh, Steve was saying, we learn her name means cursed. Her, mm -hmm. her mother was burned alive, but Gul'dan saved her and kept her alive. Again, I don't know why. I want to understand why. Like, we never really get a scene with Gul'dan and Garona where we understand their relationship in any way. Like, but yet he's done all this shit for her and she's going to turn against him. Like, there could be this whole interesting thing where it could be like, well... I've got to stop Gul'dan, but he was the one who saved me. And he's like my dad in a way, you know what I mean? But we don't get any of that. We don't ever really understand what their relationship is at all. And I found that frustrating. Not to get into like weird genetic stuff, but like. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to. The first person that made like a Liger or some other hybrid between two species of animal, you're like, well, I could destroy it because it's like a bastardization of, you know, creation. Or it's like, this is interesting. Um, let's see how this plays out. Right. That would be fine. But did Gul'dan create her? Or is he just like, oh, she's interesting? Oh, this is, it's just lore stuff, man. I mean, she exists. I thought she was going to say my dad was a human. And then he like fucked my orc mom. Except that wouldn't make sense because there were no humans where she comes right, from. Right, right. But all she says is that my name means cursed. And I took that to mean like, that's clearly because you look like a weirdo to all the other orcs, right? <laughs> right. But I, I genuinely don't understand her backstory. And you're right, Sebastian. I didn't even think about Gul'dan. Like, the only time you get a scene is at the beginning when he's dragging around on a chain. But even if she was like, oh, I fucking hate him for dragging me around with a chain, 
then I could understand that. I'm not even asking for much. The only thing we get from her is that she kind of likes him because he kept, he saved her. Like, if you're going to have these character moments, you should try to have them mean something. And I feel like the movie doesn't manage to do that. And like, we get this moment here where Cadgar's like, hey, my parents hated me too. And I, they sent me off to Kieran Tor and I didn't like it there. No, 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 no. This was like someone, someone had a huge family, like a, you know, whatever, like huge Irish family, oldest sons are going to become a priest. This is exactly what happened here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Except they like sent him to like the most badass magic right. academy <laughs> in the entire land to become the b most badass wizard. He should have met like, you know, Ron and Hermione and gone on all sorts of adventures. But that's not what the story is, unfortunately. So they go to the Great Gate, which is this thing that the orcs are building. Here's another confusing thing about this movie. So the orcs come through a gate, but then they've also got to build a gate. Like, there's a whole bunch of gates in this movie. <laughs> Dude, I was so confused by that. Yeah, I... Like what, what gate does what? And at one point, one of the gates turns into a gate to somewhere else that like it's completely nuts. So on the the orc planet, Draenor or whatever, Gul'dan makes the creation of the gate so that they can leave their dying planet. I got that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the easy one to understand. They only take um initial raid party of the horde, like a you know, right. maybe a quarter or a third. Yeah. And then on the other side, Golden saying, yeah, we're going to capture life there and suck their power off to bring the rest of the army in. Gotcha. But since we made a one-way portal, we need to build a new one so that we can open it to whatever. Okay, so like basically it's like they have to create a one-way portal each way. Yes. Okay, that was unclear, but that makes, that makes sense. But in this case, it's a two-way portal. Right. He's like, oh, so it's like they got there and he was like, Fuck, there's no way to go back. I should have made a two-way one. The The portal is point A to B, but you can go from B to A, but you can't go behind A from the other side. It's a one-way. Right, we'll see, we'll see that later in the movie, too. That plays into one scene. Right. So they go to, they're spying on this gate and they're seeing all the orcs collecting like prisoners to use as fuel. Duratan sees them and he sort of sneaks off to hook up with Garona um, and like Cadgar is with her and like Duratan comes up behind Cadgar and like, I don't know, like strangles him. So he gets knocked out or something. I forget what he does, but he basically subdues Cadgar in some way and he confers with Garona, tells her that he wants her to get her to get the men to meet at this place called Black Rock. So we've got Black Hand, Black Rock, confusing names. He's enlisting her into this conspiracy to overthrow uh, Gul'dan is basically what's going on. Dorotan's hand's so big that he can just grab Cadgar's face. Um, and it's done really well. Like, I'm, I'm really, I believe the cg human interaction like throughout the movie yeah yeah the hand looks like it's really touching his face and stuff so yeah it looks good medivh turns returns to the wizard castle and he, we see he's really exhausted and something's consuming him we get our obligatory boring council meeting that's in every fantasy story and star wars story where a bunch of people argue in a council this is where they give all the nods to wow heads because you actually get to see the elves, right. which are another faction yep. in this, you know, game. But like, or it's not important to this 
to this conflict. Can I just say that the design of the elves in this is terrible? Like elves yeah. are supposed to be fucking cool looking. And these elves, I wouldn't want to be one of these elves. They're, they've got these ridiculous eyebrows and their ears are way too big. Not into this elf design. It's supposed to look like the game. It's Yeah, I agree. It looks horrible. They certainly have made them look like the game. But the, the ears particularly look really embarrassingly bad. Like, they just look like Halloween props. These elves are not hot, and I like my elves to be hot, and they're not. But yeah, I kind of figured this was just giving us wow candy. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they actually, um one of the guards comes in and tells their commander and says, like, my liege, which is straight up from the video game. I'm sorry, the computer game. It's like one of the lines. It made me smile when I first saw it. I think it's the only time, thing I remember from my first viewing. <laughs> the only thing you remember was someone saying my liege. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Steve, to enjoy these things on the hardcore World of Warcraft nerd level because this movie was for you, obviously. All right, so moving on. Uh... I literally have no idea what happens next in this movie. Is this when they have like the they finally meet in the big creepy valley? Lothar is like, it's a trap. They're, they're discussing actually meeting with the orcs at Black Rock. And then um, Taria gives Garona a knife. Right, which I don't understand this because she's like, basically Garona tells the king of Durotan's plan. It's like, hey, we should meet up with these people. And like the king's like, okay. And like Steve said, Lothar's like, it could be a trap. And then Garon is like, no, orcs don't lie. They have honor. And then the queen is like, well, you can prove your honor by taking this knife. Exactly. It's um, it's a trust thing. And she's like, right, a trust thing, I guess. We trust you enough to carry this royal blade. Right. It's like a letter opener. Yeah. I, I took it that she's basically like, are you kidding me? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? No, she, she totally said that. Right. That's what, exactly what she says. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like, why not just give her a real weapon? I don't understand, but whatever. Yeah. And um, and then Medivh um, visits uh, Cadgar's, like, <laughs> like conspiracy theory yeah. photos on the wall <laughs> thing. And just like, where do you get this? Why do you have this? And then he burns it all. Yeah. So we're like. Oh, Yo, right. what the fuck, Medivh? Every time it cut to Medivh, I was like, I forgot this guy's in the movie. I don't know what this has to do with anything. <laughs> this hurts my head. And he actually burns one of the things right out of Cadgar's hands. Apparently, the scene was um all practical. Really? Uh, the burning of the paper. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like they just used that paper magician shoe. Flash paper. Right, right. Yeah, then Cadgar goes to Lothar and is like, yo, Medivh burned all my shit. That's not cool. And Lothar's like, eh, he did it for your own good. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, then we get this scene where the orcs and the humans all meet at this black rock valley, which is just like a big, you know, canyon or something that's all black rock. And Duratan and the king confer. And this is like that scene where you're talking about where the Duratan is speaking orc and, but. Gamora is... She's translating. She's translating right, right. it. Duratan wants the humans to attack in two moons, which is two days, and draw the orcs away into a battle, and then Duratan's tribe will turn on Gul'dan and attack him. That's the orc plan. None of this did I understand when I first watched it. This is all fourth viewing. I figured this out. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally, I was watching the movie, and I was like, I just don't know what they're talking about. Like, he's, they're like, they're trying to come up with some kind of plan. I got that. Well, yeah, and the fact that it's like being translated and stuff makes it all the more confusing there are a lot of choices in this movie where you're like 
you're trying to convey information to me now and it's supposed to be important, but you're doing it in the most distracting, confusing way and completely yeah. losing me. But then what happens is these green orcs show up and attack and Duratan's tribes fights them. Garona defends the king against the orcs, so she's proving her loyalty. Right, because um, because Lothar actually throws her a spear and he like winks at her and he's like, hey, here you go. Uh-huh. Am I wrong or are some of the orcs like hiding under the rock? They are because Ogrim, Ogrim Doomhammer, um, basically betrayed um, tribe Frostwolf. Um, and that's why the the fell orcs are already hiding at Black Rock to ruin the the parlay. Uh, that was another thing I didn't get until this viewing that Ogrim betrays. I did not get that. Right at one point, um, Garona looks up at the top of the cliff, and Ogrim's there, being like, "I did it," you know. <laughs> He's got a little sign that says, I betrayed. Because later, Ogrim breaks Duratan out of the orc jail and is like, sorry, I betrayed you, bro, but I saved your wife and kid. So anyway, uh, yeah, there's a fight. And the big thing that happens here is Medivh forms this magic barrier that's separating the orcs from the humans. But Lothar's son, Callan, is on one side of this magic wall with the orcs so he's basically screwed and like lothar tries to get him he takes this cool looking shield was this shield something from the game because it's got like horns on it and shit everything's from the game right (laughs) every every single thing okay well you know what it actually helps me to kind of understand this movie a little better because i'm like oh that's why that thing was important because it's from the game Got it. Got I just it. want to know how much it hurt for Lothar to put his hand there. Because if Dude, you're able yeah. to put your bare hand through a thing, you can go all the way. Right. It's like, it's like, <laughs> I feel like that's a much longer conversation, Steve. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's like, first of all, Medivh is like casting this from like a million miles away on yeah, another like, tower. Right. And I'm like, like on a mountain. Hey, motherfucker. How about you come down there and help as opposed right. to just standing up with your like a lightning wall. But he's not trying to help. He's doing whatever the fell magic is telling him to do or something. We don't know this at this point, really. But um, we don't. All he knows is that he's trying to protect the king. But yeah, Callum is a goner and probably a goner because his dad tries to talk to him. And that's when Blackhand was like, oh, that's the jerk that shot off my hand. Yeah. I'm going to kill his son. And he kills him with his new fake hand now that's like the he's, knives he's got a or Freddy Krueger glove exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and he guts old Callan you know what I'm happy to see Callan go because I didn't like this character at all so I'm like all good but like this sad music plays and we get this, this overhead shot and I'm like no 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 not sad happy I gotta tell you I was pretty shocked I did not expect that character to die are you serious you're lying it, it was it was <laughs> It did not feel telegraphed in any way. Oh, your sarcasm. So yeah, Callan is dead. Cadgar and Garona take Medivh back to the wizard castle and because he's spent. And they just kind of leave him there by his pool. He's got this sick pool. And they're just like, yeah, let, <laughs> let's go. But um, Cadgar then sees the flash of green in Medivh's eyes. Duratan is getting ready to send his wife and child away. But then Blackhand comes in and stops them and... You know, this basically is going to result in Duratan having to fight Blackhand. Is there a word for this battle? Um, It's like um, Mac Gara or something. Anyway, Blackhand's like, you, you're a traitor. 
to Dorotan, and then Dorotan's like, "If I surrender, can you back off my clan?" Right. He, but before that, because he basically thinks he's gonna die, he names the kid Goel. That comes into play later, and then it goes back to um, the tower. Medivh and uh, Garona are having a talk. And I can assure listeners, it's just as captivating as it sounds right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best storyteller. I mean, to hey, be honest. So, uh, yeah, he's, he names the kid. And I felt like that was supposed to be important, but I had no it idea is. why. It is. If you like the games, Goel is a, a super major character. So this is basically his birthing story. It, okay. it, because it, it goes later. I mean... They play into it, actually, a lot. I figured his name had to be a reference to Kal-El, Superman, because he basically mm. is sent away. There's a similarity there to their origin, so I feel like that might right. be a thing, but who knows? I don't know. But yeah, we learned that Medivh had a girlfriend at one point, but we don't even know what happened to her. He doesn't even say that she died or anything. He's just like, yeah, right. I was right. with her. No, she says that there's like he met these people, and they... Like, one of them accepted him as he was. They're basically implying that he's Garona's father. What? Really? I mean, you didn't get that from the... I didn't get that at all, no. Okay, that's good because that's not the case at all. And in fact, <laughs> in the games, Garona and Medivh have a kid together. For that to be the case, if Medivh, Lothar, and Lane are having adventures together and one of them had a kid, and then Lothar is hitting on that person's kid, it's fucked up. Yeah, that's gross. So, I don't know what to make of it. At, at that point, Medivh um, creates another teleporting gate, but makes it with a flower yeah. that he sort oh, of right. just gives to Garona. I don't know what that's about. I think that's a nod to fans of the game that's like, yeah, romance, this is all you're getting. Right. So she takes the flower and then like teleports presumably to Lothar, because that's where her heart desires. Before we get there, we get a scene with Gul'dan hanging out with Ogrim, and he's, like, sucking some dude's life out to consume. And he's like, <laughs> he's like Ogrim, you, you can be the head of the Frost Wolves if you want, and I'm going to give you the fell and stuff. And Ogrim's like, uh, hold off on that for, for a moment. <laughs> no, right, right. He plays it off pretty good. He's like, and actually, Gul'dan says, like, yeah, yep. You're very, you know, clever or whatever, smart. Basically, Ogrim's like, you, you know what? If you turn me into a fell in front of all the other guys, then that would be more acceptable right. than you just doing it right now. Um, and then um, Gul'dan's like saying like, yeah, once you bring the rest of the horde over, I'm going to gift the fell to all of them. And then Ogrim's like, yo, wait, that's not cool. Right. Um, <laughs> I like this version of it that we're saying in, like, dude speak. It <laughs> flows a little better. I just remember that, yeah, he's got, like, a human captive, and he's just sort of, like, slowly sucking the life out of him as though it's just, like, a like a Tootsie Pop or something, you know, like how many, how many, how many sucks to get to the bottom right. of this guy's soul. It's like a, it's like a milkshake where someone's like slowly sipping the milkshake yeah. during the scene. And at the end they're like, they're sucking the rest of it out. It's like, I thought, I thought that was kind of cool, yeah. but it was also like, wait, he eats the souls now. I thought he uses souls to do magic, but now he's just eating this guy. I, I think you know, it's whatever. giving him like sustenance. He's like an energy yeah. vampire now. Sure. Basically, every time it cut to Ghoul Dan, I liked the the movie 10% more. I was like, okay, yeah, like evil wizard dude. <laughs> you probably didn't like the next scene, though, because we cut back to, like, 
Garona and Lothar because she's found Lothar and he's like drunk on a table somewhere. And he, he tells her that Callan's mom died in childbirth and he blamed her for that at the time, but he's not going to blame Garona for, because Garona feels responsible for getting Callan killed. But Lothar's like, no, it's not your fault. And they have this, she sort of hugs him and they sort of look into each other's eyes and then it just sort of fades out. But like, they totally did it, right? Like they just, they got busy right there. I would assume so. I mean, like it was more than like a hug. I think she was like sucking on his neck and giving him a hickey. Yeah. I mean, that's what it seemed like. <laughs> but it's like, it's like, hey, I know your son just died and I saw it from the top of a cliff, but um. Let's totally bone right now. Yeah. It's, it's super messed up. It's super messed up. Was I supposed to assume that they that they they had sex there? I, no, I no, no. I mean, no. I didn't assume, but okay. It, they definitely had a romantic moment, which seemed odd. There's no end to the scene. They're just staring into each other's eyes, and then they fade out. So I was extrapolating, but I mean, were they like, oh, that was awkward, and like. <laughs> Every scene should end with the director going, cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Gul'dan sends the orcs after the Frostwolf tribe, but uh, Ogrim lets Derek leave with her baby. So he gets her free. Bo Derek. No, Draka. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> God, the names. Cadgar flies to Cloud City to seek the help of the Kirin Tor. And he tells them that Medivh is unwell. And it's like they're like, Oh, shit. Okay, so he's unwell. You know what you should do? You should come back here because we've got this giant cube. (laughs) It's been acting weird lately. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Cadgar comes in and says, like, from a page from the book, he's like, hey, what's Aludee? And that's when the the Grand Wizard is like, oh, okay. You can't say Grand Wizard. Sorry. 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 I thought they were just like, yeah, our cube's been acting weird. You should check that out. Um, So like Hadgar goes to look at the cube and then it opens up this door into the cube and he steps in and meets Alidee, who is the one famous person in this whole movie. It is Glenn Close for, I don't know, maybe three minutes of screen time wearing like a CG cloak. I don't know if she's a ghost or what. Dude. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I just don't. I, why is Glenn Close in this movie all of a yeah. sudden? This is when the acid kicks in and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> Where did Glenn, Glenn Close? Glenn Close is here. What's going on? She's not even credited in the movie. I don't know why she did it. Whether her someone she knows was it's called money. Steve. Yeah. OK. OK. <laughs> Um, but I mean, you get paid and then you're like, don't, don't put my name in the, the, the credits. I bet you anything. This is a grandkids thing. Like my grandkids okay. love uh, Warcraft and they offered me a hundred thousand dollars for two hours. So I did it. That was probably what happened. Maybe she's secretly a nerd. Cause she was in guardian of the galaxy. That's also. true. Yeah. I mean, I do know that this scene was a reshoot and they specifically added this really later. Someone I know who used to work there told me that tidbit. But I don't remember what she says to him. She says, like, from light comes darkness and from darkness comes light, which I'm assuming is a game thing, right? That's just like a general fantasy thing. Basically, she's just saying you've got to stop this or the whole world is going to be destroyed, which, I mean, we kind of knew this, but whatever. It's fine. I guess we're hearing it from the horse's mouth here. I'm expecting to be like, excuse me, who are you? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, (laughs) And she's like, I'm the cube, obviously. Shut the fuck up. But I'm also the ghost that was in that other book that you found earlier. The book talks about Alodie 
And Allodie is the cube. I guess she's able to jump between anything that has her name written in it. I don't know. But it's very lore-heavy stuff. The more we talk about it, the more I realize why, like, normies make fun of nerds for, like us for liking this kind of shit. Totally. Right? Right. This movie's, like, aggressively, aggressively nerdy and not in a good way. Right. I'm kind of hating myself for knowing this much about the <laughs> Anyway, so we go back to Medivh in the wizard castle and Morose is helping Medivh up and Medivh is sort of apologizing to him this whole time because he's about to kill him, which is completely telegraphed. Medivh goes into the pool and it turns green with fell energy and he confesses that he's corrupted and he's like, I brought the orcs into this world, but he's not even really sure how he did it so i'm assuming that he just somehow got corrupted by this shit and played a role in it somehow after he does kills morose he grows like demonic chin spikes yeah yeah um so he's semi-possessed and unaware of half the shit he's doing okay again not completely clear did we say who morose is did we even cover that morose is the assistant yeah he's, he's not important in any way but okay those chin spikes were so dumb. Like, so dumb. They're not as dumb as what he becomes later when he turns into Hellboy, basically. <laughs> like... I know. Hey, before he becomes Hellboy, he becomes like um, the Frost King from more, um, from uh, Game of Thrones, basically. But green. Yeah. Yeah, but like a cheesy version. Anyway, so that happens. Uh, you know, we get more of the humans planning. They have a big planning session with... Uh, Right, it's the same map. Um, this is the first time you see an Asian actor in the, I believe, the entire movie. He's one of the um, War Council captains. Um, and the one other black character besides Ruth Nega. Um, it's sort of like the, here's the diversity, guys. This isn't going to win any diversity awards, certainly. I mean, it's like they tried, but eh. Not hard enough. So the, the humans are planning and, you know, Lothar is drunk or something. He's all messed up and he's like, this plan isn't going to work. We got to take all our men and just throw them at this. But the king's like, but we won't have anyone to protect the city. And then like Medivh shows up and he's looking right now. He's he's not looking like a demon anymore. He's got himself a sick new robe with some like feathers on it and shit. And he's like, don't worry about it, guys. We got this with my power and whatever. We're cool. But Lothar's like, don't trust Medivh. He's unstable. And then Medivh's like, well, Lothar, maybe you wouldn't feel that way if you didn't let your son get killed or whatever. <laughs> so he basically gets Lothar to freak out and try to attack him and then the king puts him in the dungeons which I'm sure was Medivh's evil plan all along Gorgona visits um, Lothar in the cell and that's when Lothar's like you know don't trust these guys and then like um, she's like you know, I trust Doratan. He's like, no, I'm not talking about Doratan. I'm talking about Medivh. Right. She gives him her necklace that's got her mother's tusk on it. So, yeah, we go back to the orcs and Ogrim frees Doratan and apologizes for not backing his play uh, and tells him that Draka and the baby are safe. Cadgar sneaks into the dungeon and turns the guard there into a sheep, which, you know, he's like, oh, it's only going to oh, last right. for like five minutes. And he frees Lothar. Lothar like immediately puts on his like oversized armor and is like, well, we got to go protect the king. And Khadgar's like, no, we have to stop Medivh first. Yeah, the um, the polymorph spell, again, something straight from the games. Um, another nod 
I know that from Hearthstone. It was a card that turns your opponent's minion into a sheep. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, wink. That one was for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that gave Rodney a smile. So, yeah, then we see Draka going to the river with the baby and she puts the baby on the river, but then these orcs show up and she fights them and she kills them, but they also stab her. So she dies at the riverbank and she's looking at the baby floating away on the river. And it's this sort of upside down shot, which is kind of cool, but she's dead. Right. This is um absolute reference to um Moses. It's basically setting up Goel, who is such a huge character in the mythology of Warcraft. Right. So this is sort of a retelling um, of that from the game. It's better than what the game is, actually. Mm-hmm. In which game does Moses show up? <laughs> In uh, Warcraft 4. It's amazing. No, I don't know. But yeah, very clearly Moses. And it also is all very clearly setting up this baby character to be a big deal later, which is especially obvious in the end, the very end of the movie. Anyway, uh, Daratan challenges Gul'dan, and Gul'dan accepts, and he shows that he's no mere wimpy wizard, and he, like, throws off his robes, and he's got all these, like, antlers coming out of his back, and he's this big hulking dude, and they fight, and they're fighting physically. Gul'dan's not using his, uh, his magic. So this starts, and then at the same time, basically, we enter this section of the movie that is now kind of like... Return of the Jedi style, three climaxes going on at the same time. One of them is back in the wizard castle where Lothkar and Cadgar are confronting the demon version of Medivh and he's tossing them around wizard battle style. And then Medivh says this incantation to open the portal, the orc portal. And then we cut back to the fight between Gul'dan and Duratan and the portal opens and Duratan's like, well, fuck this. I got to go deal with the portal. But the orcs are like, no, you got to f- keep fighting this guy. And so Gul'dan's like, well, then fine. I'll use my magic. And then he uses his magic against Duratan. And that's against the rules of this fight. He's not supposed to do that. So, yeah, the orcs are sort of now seeing that he's not a good guy because he's not playing by the rules. I like this part. In fact, this was the only part I watched this with my wife. This is the only part we both went, ooh. And that's when he, when Gul'dan takes his cloak off and you realize he's actually like a total badass under there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I was not expecting this. And and then when they fight, it was it was an enjoyable segment. I like that. No, it was good. Um, you really feel the weight. I mean, throughout the movie, anywhere where an orc like swings a weapon or punches something, like it's well done. Yeah, yeah. Is this where Doratan meets his end? Yes. Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what, the Doratan dies? Yeah, he's the main fucking character. Why does he die here? This is so dumb. This movie is so bad. His death has no meaning. It doesn't actually achieve anything. The main character just gets fucking wasted. Yeah, but it, it shows that Goldan is like a, a cheat. Right, but then like a whole bunch of the orcs are still on Gul'dan's side. At the end of the fight, Olgrim is like, you know, do you trust this thing? Do you trust this demon? And then everyone's like, yeah, you know, Gul'dan, you have no honor. And then Gul'dan kills three guys. And then everyone submits. I can explain what the problem is. The problem is here, 
they want a franchise and they want to keep the character of Gul'dan as the Darth Vader bad guy. So they can't have all the orcs turning against him because they want to use him in another. He lives to the end of this movie. He's still alive at the end of the movie. This movie is a slave to the mythology. They can't go against it for the fans. It's it's kind of a slave to the game. The problem here is this whole movie acts as a two hour prologue to the movie I actually want to go watch. It's that problem, that problem of like we're setting up all this whole world but then it because we're doing that we're going to give you an unsatisfying story you know so they're setting up Duratan as just this figure who's like a Christ figure who sacrifices himself to prove this one guy is bad but yet in this movie they don't actually turn on him you know and then we get this big human and orc battle like Garona comes in, is doing some sick damage, and Gul'dan is using the fell to let in all the horde from the gate because, like, as like Lothar and Cadgar are fighting Medivh, people right. listening to this must just be like, "What the fuck are you talking about, dude?" No one's listening. <laughs> they stopped a long time ago. No, no, I mean that's like. The, the thing is, like, at the beginning, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, you should probably see the movie before you listen to the podcast. Like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> I literally can't. The only people listening they are people who, like, fell asleep with this on. <laughs> oh, it's true. I saw the movie, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dude, I remember sitting there and being like, wow. Duratan looks dead, but I, I wonder how he's going to come back, right? Like, clearly, you know, someone's going to revive or whatever. And he's like, no, he's, Gul'dan just fucking wasted him. He's just dead. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, not the end of the movie. There's still, like, more movie left. And I was like, I don't understand. I thought I was going to get a movie where, like, it's about, like, a human and an orc who have to, like, work together. Right. No, no, that's um, that's Enemy Mine. I'm sorry. That's not <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I would get Enemy Mine. And that seems like the obvious script to write. And yet they don't ever give them scenes together. The only time like the, the main orc and the main human ever interact is in that in the Black Rock Valley. Am I wrong? Nope. No. And like that's for like three minutes of screen time. It, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Have you never watched any movie before? God. They know that it's unsatisfying. They're hoping that everybody's going to be so invested that they're going to run screaming to the sequel. But let's just get through this. Lothar and Cadgar confront the demon Medivh, the <laughs> wizard battle. They're battling with like a golem. I forgot to mention the golem in the beginning. Yeah, he, he makes the cheesy golem come to life. Lothar ends up just climbing up on it and using it and like using it against Medivh. And that's when his shoes get stuck in the golem clay and he loses his shoes. That to me is the most upsetting thing in this whole movie is that our main character goes without shoes for the last 20 minutes. They have to get Medivh into the fountain, which is a very video game-like scenario. It's like, we gotta get him into the fountain. They do that because he's chanting. He's gotta concentrate on chanting so that he can open up the portal. And then <laughs> they get him into the pool and then pin him in the pool with the golem because uh, Cadgar uses his magic to make the golem fall. And then Cadgar absorbs the fell from the demon and says, true light comes from darkness and dispels the fell. And then Lothar's all worried now that Cadgar is going to be infected with the fell, but he's not corrupted because he's a good wizard. He checks his eyes. Yes, he checks his eyes. 
Right. And then Lothar's like, cool, dude, I got to go and goes jumping off the castle onto the griffin. And I remember that from the trailer when it happened. I was like, oh, right. This is the moment I decided not to see the movie. And then as Medivh is like sort of lying there, sort of dying, he opens up the portal to make it go to Stormwind. <sighs> now the king orders all the people into the portal to go to Stormwind, so he's saving all the people, and that's where we get that shot where the orcs are going around to the other side of the portal and trying to get at them, but they can't because you can only go in one way. This is the um, Medivh redemption story where he's like, the, the demon has been dispersed and destroyed all of the land around the castle, which is apparently in the game when you play it, that's what it's supposed to look like, like right. Dead Forest. And um, his last act as a hero is to open the gate so that the people can escape. So all the people are getting in through the portal and the king's the Garona's trying to get the king to go through the portal. But he's like, no, I'm going to save here and save all the people because he's a hero king. But then, like, so Medivh is with Cadgar, and he makes his sort of final confession to Cadgar, and then he dies. And so when he dies, that closes the portal. So now the king is trapped, and he's, he's with Garona, and it's just, you know, they're basically surrounded by orcs. And Blackhand sees the king, and Blackhand's like, I'm going to get me that king. So he's sort of working his way through the crowd to get at him, and the king turns to Garona <laughs> and is like, you got to kill me so that you can claim the honor of your people. It's the only hope for peace between orcs and humans, which I don't understand why this would guarantee peace between orcs and humans, but... This is the dumbest part in the movie. Like, I literally thought I was somehow missing something, because, like, the king is, like, being a badass and fighting, and then he just suddenly stops, and he's like, here, take this letter opener and kill me in front of everyone. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? When did right. you learn how or orc culture works? Why do you think that would work at all? So, I mean, I guess Lady Taria tells Dom Cooper Lane, um, basically, when she goes to give the blanket to Garona, um, Garona's like, if I kill you, I'll get a honor for killing her queen. Right, right, right. So at that point, it's a lost cause. All the humans are going to die. The portal's closed. There's no way back. Lane knows they're a goner. Garona is a traitor, like straight up. She betrayed the orc people. So Lane, because he's such a nice guy, is like, hey, the only way you're going to get out of this alive is if you kill me. Then you'll be back in the good graces of the orcs for having killed the king, and you'll live. That's why that happens. Right, and somewhere down the line, then, then you'll be a leader, and you'll somehow make peace. Yeah, yeah, you'll remember, you'll remember what I did. Right. And somehow maybe, maybe be a force for change. Again, setting up something for a later story is right. what it is. Doesn't make perfect sense in this moment in this movie, but I can see where they're trying to go with it. It's just, yeah, in this moment, it's dumb. But not as dumb as when Garona stabs the king in the back of the neck with the dagger, killing him. Then it's like she's at a Pearl Jam concert because, like, all the orcs are like... They all start like... Yeah, see the body yeah, surfing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like crowd surfing or like, you're a badass. And like... Yeah, crowd surfing, I bet. And Goldan's like, I declare Garona awesome. And everyone's like, woo! <laughs> why can't Blackhand just kill her anyway and be like, I killed the girl who killed the king? Does that... Like, what, why does it not work that way? Orc honor? I have no idea. Orc, oh, sure, orc honor. Orcs are really big into honor, Rodney. If you've learned nothing from this podcast you should have learned that uh, let's say you know 
lead singer of Pearl Jam is crowd surfing and then someone outright kills him? I mean, not They cool, become dude. the lead singer of Pearl Jam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eddie Vedder, I'm sorry. Eddie Vedder flies in on a griffin and, you know, kicks some ass barefoot and then he finds the king with Garona's dagger in his neck, so he's brokenhearted that Garona has betrayed them. He grabs the king's body and tries to fly off with it, but Blackhand grabs him. So now Lothar's got to fight Blackhand one-on-one in that orc fighting ritual or whatever. The Macra. Macra, yes. and uh, it's a quick fight because Lothar pulls this sweet sliding move and cuts a black hand right through the groin killing him so that's the end of that what the fuck here's like an opportunity for like a cool fight and it's over in less than 10 seconds you know what though i'm glad because we've already had like two of these like one-on-one fights yeah but those are orc on orc this is a chance for like a human on orc fight right i agree if you were going to make this a bigger deal then you've got to make one of those other fights shorter because i was like ready to be done with this movie and i don't want to sit through another like fucking 10 minute fucking fight like between two characters you know everyone knows the best action films have the shortest fight at the end like when you get to the end of the raid two and he just shoots the guy do you not like the moment in raiders of the lost ark where the swordsman comes out and is going to fight indiana jones you think it's going to be a big fight and he just shoot takes his gun and and shoots him that's not the end of the movie is is that the last fight of the movie no okay look i hear you i hear you <laughs> at the same time i don't want another long fight here i just don't i want this movie to end then Gul'dan's like orcs i want you to kill lothar but because he fought with honor they won't do it so the orcs are like, no, we're not going to do it. And then Garona convinces Gul'dan to let it go and to let Lothar leave. Because if he doesn't, then the orcs are never going to respect him or whatever. And uh, so Lothar flies off with the king's body and Ogrim takes Durotan's tusks to give to his son. Lothar goes back and tells Cadgar that Garona killed Lane. But Cadgar's like, no, I don't believe that. I believe it was for a reason. So Cadgar still holding hope that Corona's on their side. And then we get a kind of cheesy funeral where the queen addresses everybody. They're trying to pull like a triumphant, like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars style ceremony ending, but it's for a funeral. So like the dead king is like behind her in a funeral pile. (laughs) And she's like, this is a day of triumph or whatever, even though the king is dead. (laughs) And and like, this isn't a cause for celebration, but whatever. And then she's like, gives the king's sword to Lothar and he like raises it and is like for Azeroth and the Alliance, which is weird because that does that mean he's king now? Because if he's king, then that means he's married to his sister and that's creepy. No, 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 no. He's king. His sister is, is the widow. Yeah. They're not married. They're just, they're just going to bang. <laughs> Yeah, I think at one point you overhear one of the soldiers say, like, oh, Lothar, you should be the ruler. Anyway, the, for the Alliance is a line from the games. Gotcha. Right. Just like for the Horde. Right, exactly. So this marks the beginning of the first game, Warcraft. It's the beginning of the first Orc War. That was one thing I did know going into this was that it was basically a big prequel to the game. We cut to the title Warcraft, but then we get an end credit scene where we follow the baby down the river and is picked up by humans 
and they look at the baby and we're getting some narration from his dead father about how he's going to be a big leader one day. And then the little baby snarls at the humans and, and we're done. I'm sorry, everyone. I apologize. (laughs) to sit through this. So yeah, that's uh, Warcraft. Now the box office for this, as I said, was 160 million. It made domestically 47 million, which is pretty abysmal. Yeah. But there is a silver lining to this tentpole trauma because this movie made 439 million worldwide. So it made money. Yeah. It is one of those movies that they could justify a sequel, kind of like Pacific Rim, where it like it made a shit ton overseas. So yeah, but I I think and we've talked about this in previous episodes that like just because people showed up and paid money to watch the movie doesn't mean they liked it. And I would imagine this movie made a lot of that in China. Yes, I mean when you look at the companies that put the money in, yeah, it's, right. It's it's crazy. I it has a crappy has a really low score. Um, it's definitely not for for people. It's not for mass consumption is what it is. Yes. It's for people who are super into the game. It sounds like, at least on some level, that it's enjoyable to people who like the game. Like, you, you've gotten some enjoyment out of it, Steve. Right, right. But I, I'm like a surface layer fan of games in general if we got like a like someone that was super into the blizzard warcraft lore would they feel the same way as me i have no idea no they'd probably think it shit all over everything it probably only satisfied people who are just kind of like sort of fans in the game wanted to see some you know easter eggs and shit and they're like oh cool and but it it's so self-serious it's a movie that tried to please one specific audience and then ended up pleasing no one but apparently a lot of chinese people so what am i (laughs) to say who knows i think ultimately it comes down to i always ask myself why didn't i go see it right right and at the end of the day it just looked stupid I, i i think that like the cg in the trailer was not very impressive in fact here's another thing i was thinking as i was watching the movie how many parts in this movie do you think are worthy of saying to your friend, like, yo, just watch this one part, right? Like, I could show you a fight scene from the raid and be like, you don't need to watch the rest of this movie, yeah. but you, you're probably going to love this. There is nothing in this entire two-hour runtime that is, like, show your friend worthy, yeah, right? And because of that, they couldn't put any of that in the trailer. And so the trailer is just, like, a bunch of people going, oh, get him, and, like, the dude jumps off the cliff and he lands on the griffin. I don't know. At the end of the day... I said at the beginning of the episode, Lord of the Rings is the bar. That is your, that's the bar. And we also, this came out during Game of Thrones time, right? And Game of Thrones is the bar. And people are smart. And they looked at it and they said, that looks like a stupid movie. I know if I said it looks stupid, then all the people who don't play video games, like my mom and my uncle and shit, they're not going to go see this movie. Look, turns out, in China, they're just like, that looks dope. And they all saw it and that saved their ass. I'll agree with you on this. There isn't anything here. Like, I wouldn't, I'd honestly be kind of embarrassed to show anybody this. <laughs> like, how do you even set up a scene from this? You're like, okay, now this is Lothar. And what he's going to do here <laughs> is 
like, I mean, you know, we had that moment while I was going through the plot where it just becomes like ridiculous. You hear yourself speaking these things and you, you, it sounds like gibberish. And I'm sure like you can say the same thing about Lord of the Rings, but the brilliance about Lord of the Rings is it eases you into this at a like leisurely pace. You've got three big movies that are just really engrossing you in this world. And this movie doesn't take the time to do that. It just throws you in, throws all this shit at you. And it's just like, come on, catch up. Look, let's Lothar. Follow him. Look, he's going. He's on a Griffin now. Come on. We're going to another place now. Hey, look, there's this, uh, there's, there's some elves. Look, okay. Now over here, like, it's just, it's too breakneck. It doesn't let you settle into the world. And the world is not something that I find absorbing. I feel like they're just relying on people's feelings of affection for the game. Like you're like, Oh cool. I'm seeing the world that I've already invested like 10 gazillion hours in playing online where I've lost my job and my family and everything and devoted (laughs) to this game. It does not create any investment from the viewer who is not already invested in the game. And it's mind blowing to me that a filmmaker like Duncan Jones, who I think is a really smart filmmaker, regardless of, you know, you don't think he's the best director in the world. That's fine. He makes smart movies. He's not a dumb person. He's David Bowie's kid. He's not an idiot, you know, like, so he's, He's got a brain. What's that? What's it after? What's what's that? Because David Bowie's a smart guy. He wouldn't have a dumb. That doesn't kid. mean his son inherited anything. Yes, of that. it does. That's how it works. Look, the dude has made four movies. Two of them people hate. That's called fifty percent. That's not great. Moon is a smart movie, and and yeah, but Source he didn't Code write a Moon. Smart movie. You know what I mean? He did. He directed it. Source Code is is smart until the final twenty minutes, and then it's really lame. I like Source Code. I really like that movie. I mean, I also have a huge thing for Michelle Monaghan, so. But at the end of the day, like, I, I just, look, I cannot, like, if you just compare this to Avatar, right, why did Avatar do? We, we always talk about that, right? They're both, like, CG-heavy movies. But Avatar, like, has, like, a sense of style about it, you know? Like, you can tell that, like, people cared. I think that's what it comes down to, is, like, when I saw the trailer, I did not see a movie made by people who care. I saw a trailer for, like, product. And I said, I'm not interested in your product. I absolutely agree. Why I didn't see it in the theater is because, like, when someone says it's a video game movie, okay, it's not going to be good. And I didn't want to pay money for it in the theater. Right. That's already two strikes against it. Oddly, I sort of loved Sonic the Hedgehog, but that's another story. Well, my co-host Josh will be happy to hear that. Video game movie can work, but they tried to bite off way more than they could chew here with all the lore and everything. And It's like, you know, when Marvel did Guardians, they had already sort of established themselves and they're like, hey, we're going to do something different. You know what a space adventure is. Like, here, you're assuming the audience, they've watched The Lord of the Rings and that they're ready for this kind of story from watching Game of Thrones or whatever, but they weren't because it wasn't any of those things. It was this, It was super dense. You know, look, at the end of the day, a movie is about making you care about a character, right? And then you'll go on the ride with that character. It's not like I only watch movies where ninjas fight robots, right? Like, I like, I like dramas, too, and comedies. And at the end of the day, you've got to make a fucking movie where I care about your orc and your human. And they forgot to do that. And so what you're left with is just a bunch of CG things running into each other. And that's lame. 
All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go huff me some fell and get on my griffin mount and ride that shit all the way to Astaroth. <laughs> <laughs> That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon.